I have this, this thing with the Lord sometimes um, where I, and, and many of you will identify this, where I, and as a leader, as a pastor, it's hard sometimes to lead people at a certain pace. Um, it's, it's hard sometimes when you want someone to, I'm trying to say this in, in the most humble way without sounding condescending, but how many know like they're, they're, it's like you want people to be hungrier for the Lord. Like I, I, I have conversations with my wife where um, we talk about, and I never want to do this. I never want to be in a place where I romanticize or idolize or overly reflect, if I could lighten it a bit, on a past move of God with not just gleaning from the faithfulness and the goodness of God, but in a way where like, I wish I was there. Because God doesn't want us to go back. He wants us to go forward. And, and there's times it's hard to move forward if we're not aware of what's happening now. And there's this thing that I've been mulling over in my heart in my own life. And I want to look at this gospel story, but this thing of, you know, rejection and, and disappointment or uh, delusion, disillusionment. How many know that rejection can lead to disappointment and disappointment can lead to disillusionment where we're so vexed in our being because we're disappointed. And we might even think that it was God's fault or maybe we're disappointed, rejected by people. Maybe we feel rejected by God. Have you ever been in a season where it feels like God is silent? Have you ever been in a season where you don't know what's wrong? And you're trying to figure it out. I remember this one time I was like, oh, what's wrong? And the Lord's like, nothing. Stop overthinking it. I'm like, oh, okay. But there's some seasons where it's like there is something wrong and you just can't really do it. You can't fix it. Um, but there's times where discouragement leads to disappointment, disillusionment. And, and what happens is because of upsets and things that we go through in life, we can't see what God is about to do. We can't see in the moment and we can't see what God is about to do. And there's a story here in the gospel that to me is an expression of the hope and the faith of someone who chose not to get bitter, but get better. Of somebody who chose not to allow rejection to grip their heart, but rather to learn to be completely, utterly reliable on Jesus. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. I, I feel like the Lord wants to create a holy hunger in us where we're not hungry for God in a desperate way like orphans, but we're hungry like sons and daughters that will come and sit at the table and feast. Like there is a feast the Lord has prepared for us. And how many know primarily it's him. He, he is our portion, the bread of his presence. And I hope today that you, during worship, whether it was your first time here, you've been coming here, whether you've been saved 70 years or seven days, that you experience God. Because with God, 
it's like the first time is like, like we've never experienced it before. Every time is like a first time. That's what I'm trying to say. Every time is like a first time. It's because when you're in the presence of the lover of all lovers, the one who made you, you can't help. Your heart will just melt over and over again. So I, I really feel like this will exemplify the season we're in as saints. And my prayer is this, that we would get hungrier for him. Like something happens in our hearts where we are, and it's not an orphan desperation. It's, a, it's like, God, I am so hungry for you. Have you ever been on a diet? Oh, that's an interesting question, right? Been on a diet. I, I've been on many diets and ended them after 24 hours. <laughs> I don't know about you, but after the holidays, I was like, I need to eat healthy. I got on the scale and I was like, dang, but I didn't say dang. I said another word, Hoover Dam. I said, if you say the name of a dam, it, it's okay, it's legal, right? But I was like, dang. I'm like, I need to go on a diet. I remember this one time that I was on a diet, and I usually do kind of like a quasi-keto. I'll just cut down sugar and carbs and try to eat cleaner, healthier. And I was on this diet, and we go to Cheesecake Factory because that's where the kids wanted to go, Cheesecake Factory, where they bring out the beautiful brown bread and the beautiful white bread with beautiful fresh creamery butter before you order. And they keep bringing it to the point where when you order, you can only eat half your meal because you've ate too much bread. Hello, somebody. And so I'm on this diet and I'm trying to stick to it. I'm like, listen, like I have an appetite right now. It's not even hunger. It's an appetite. We don't really know what hunger is, right? But like I'm, I'm watching the kids eat bread and I'm so envious and tormented at the same time. And then I remember... I'm like, well, I could eat the butter because, you know, it's good fat. Nobody eats margarine, if you're, at least if you're saved. Margarine is of the devil. So I'm like, I just started eating the butter. <laughs> and then there was a few crumbs. And I'm like... Ain't no crumb. How much carbs is in a crumb of bread, right? So I'm like, hmm. And that was what, how I enjoyed the bread at the table. Just a crumb. But to me in that moment, because I was so hungry, a crumb satisfied. I feel like sometimes when we're in the presence of the Lord, we're experiencing God in powerful ways, but it's just a crumb. And there are times God wants us to get hungry and anticipate a loaf of bread. And I'm telling you right now, church, get ready. Because we're about ready to, I don't know if you can in the spirit smell some fresh bread in the oven. But the Lord is stirring my heart. I'm hungry. I'm hungry and I'm not going to let disappointment or discouragement Cause me to be disillusioned and not see what God has for us. 
And the gospel story, you didn't have to read ahead if you are catching what I'm saying here. It's the story of the Canaanite woman. And this is one of those stories that's like, I don't like it because it's controversial. Uh, you know, some people, if they read it wrong, it's like Jesus was like, it was a racial slur. Like, what was Jesus saying? And I remember a few months ago, I tried to move the mic away, but I, you could still hear me clear my throat. It's my bad. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, months ago, I was like, I need to dive into this again. And I remember preaching this many years ago. And I remember I was like, Lord, what? I was, I was praying, I'm like, what was that? There was like a revelation. So I went back and I tried to listen to what I preached because I didn't take notes and, and I couldn't find it. And it's just like the Lord. The Lord's like, I want, you, I want you to just go after some fresh manna. And I'm like, oh man. So I wanted to be lazy and regurgitate some old manna, but we're not gonna do that this morning. I'm gonna dive in. Let's just read through. This isn't gonna be long, but I, I pray that what I've stated so far stirs your heart. And as we look at this story, maybe we'll be inspired by this woman. Amen? Amen. Lord, thank you for your presence and thank you for your faithful love and your goodness. You're so holy and beautiful. We thank you for the time of worship. Just beholding you. That's what we long for. Yes. You're more than enough, Lord. Yes. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, verse 21. Then Jesus went out from there and departed from the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him saying, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. Man, have you ever felt like, Lord, are you going to respond to my cry? There was a time in my life in 2018, I didn't know what was wrong. And I'm trying to figure it out. I'm like, everything's good. The church is exploding. God is moving every Sunday. It's like revival services. Every Sunday, I would give an altar call in the middle of worship, and literally, the altar would flood within seconds. It would be full. You couldn't even find space at the altar. God was moving, and things were happening, and there was a stirring. But inside, I was vexed, and I didn't know what was wrong, and I'm asking God what's wrong, and I feel like he's just standing there looking at me. And so this woman's like crying out and, and actually she is a pagan. She is like a, a, somebody who most likely doesn't live like the rest of the Jews. She doesn't live according to the law. She doesn't, she's unclean, right? Like there's, under the old covenant, uh, there's even a slur where they were called wild dogs because they just lived a sinful lifestyle. Gentiles were were considered like, like calling someone an animal. They're like living like animals, partying and doing whatever they want to do. And so this woman, though, cries out to Jesus and actually says, son of David, recognizes that he is the anointed one of the father. I think that's powerful. It's beautiful. But then there's, <laughs> there's this, he says, but he answered her, not a word, verse 23. But he answered her, not a word. 
His disciples came and urged him, saying, send her away, for she cries out after us. The disciples were a bit annoyed. And then Jesus, I believe this was to test the disciples. And the way he, they saw, they saw her, they saw this moment. He answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And then verse 25 is so powerful. And then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. Can I worship when I feel like God is silent? Can I respond? And and this this would be point one if there's any points, but God wants us to respond to him no matter the situation in utter humility and honor before him. And it's helpful for us to understand that when things happen in life that are not good, it doesn't mean he's causing them. Please, can I lift a burden off your shoulders for the rest of your life? You never have to deal with this idea that's entrenched in your mind because of Western Christianity has been contaminated with Greek philosophy that God exhaustively controls everything. That is a lie. It doesn't mean he's not in charge. It doesn't mean he does not, like, as a good father, steer creation and and people and move upon hearts of people. But how many know we're called to pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? The reason Jesus taught us to pray that way is because his will, will is not always done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, if God was good, then why is there so much evil in the world? Because we're evil, because we turned away from communion with him, because we want to live without him, because we want to live independent of God. We're not created to live independent of God. That's why we die. That's why death entered the world. But can we worship like this woman? God wants us to have humble, open hearts. Even when we feel like he's silent and we feel like we don't have a place at the table. You know, there is a powerful truth that the acceptance of God can heal the rejection of many. I mean, if I could, and and I have to remind myself of this. I'm accepted by my Abba. Even if, and this isn't the case for me, but it's the case for some, even if my own father doesn't say, I'm so proud of you, which he does. Or my own mom, which she does. I have amazing parents. But in life, there's no perfect people. And even the ones that love, like incredibly, all of them put together are just a drop in the bucket compared to the love that the Father has for us. And you are accepted by him. We are accepted by our Abba. And that revelation can wipe away, hear me, Father. Every time, every time you were rejected, listen,
When you're like, God, where are you? I can't hear you. I don't know. He's right there weeping with you. And he says, I love you and I accept you. And that revelation can take away the pain of any rejection you have ever felt your entire life. My goodness. The revelation of the Father's love. And listen, we don't ever outgrow our need for the Father's love. Oh yeah, I already know about the love of God. Then you don't. As soon as we start talking like that, the Holy Spirit will set us up. Oh yeah, I've experienced the Lord. Oh, okay, I've experienced revival. Praise God. I've been slain in the Spirit 17,000 times. Been to all the Father Heart conferences and revival, revival. Like, it's like you've, you've considered what is holy now is just common. Like there is something we have to guard against and it's familiarity that breeds contempt in our hearts for the Lord and for one another. And this woman, in the midst of this, Jesus didn't even say anything to her. And she worshiped him. When God is silent, worship him because he's worthy and he accepts you and he loves you even though you might feel like you're not accepted and loved because of your experience with other people. And then here here it starts getting a little crazy. Verse 26, he said, it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. So Jesus is saying, she's crying out to the Lord. Jesus is like, I came here for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. The disciples are like, what is this woman doing in here? Lord, tell her to leave. I mean, part of me is like, there's 12 of them. You make her leave, disciples. You know, she's probably following him and like, Lord, bugging him. And he just doesn't say anything, just looks at her. This was a scandalous moment, though, because she was a pagan. It would be equivalent to a good, loving Christian encountering some person deemed like oppressed or influenced and they're Wiccan or they're uh, engrossed in some really overt sin and they're in your face, please help me, please help me. And we're like, well, well, now, now that we know the new covenant, it's easier for us. But then Jesus says this thing, why would I give the children's bread to the little dogs? Now, there's something that's important to know. I won't spend too much time on this, that in other portions of the gospels, the word in the Greek, it was a slur word that referred to Gentiles that just live like animals. They just live however they want, a sinful lifestyle. But Jesus used a different word in the Greek. It was like, like puppy. It was like little dog. It's a different word in the Greek. Now catch this. Jesus was graciously taking the disciples by the hand, changing their perspective of humanity. And then he changes it even more. But look at the woman's response. She was not offended in the slightest bit. Verse 27. Oh, man. Yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. I just want a crumb. I'm good with a crumb, man. That moment when I was on that diet. And the bread was scattered. I was just a, oh man, that crumb was the hunger 
of this woman to see her daughter whole. Which, what's beautiful about this story too is that she was interceding on behalf of another, which is powerful. Jesus said even sinners love their own. And the word love is agape. Do you know that unsaved humans are capable of agape love? This is why a mother would give her own life for her child or a father. We're made in the image of God. And this woman was pleading for her daughter to be free, but this verse, Jesus says, yeah, but how do I take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs? It wouldn't be right. The little dogs, the, the puppies. Yeah, Lord, but even the dogs get the crumbs. She said, I just want a crumb. That's the type of hunger and humility and open-heartedness she had. And then here, look at verse 28. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Now those are like, I don't want to be tested like that. I don't know about you. (laughs) But the truth of the matter is that may we learn to hunger like this woman. Because when we're hungry, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. I want to close with this verse in Deuteronomy real quick. I Just real fast, I'm going to read this to you because there's something on it. There's something about it. I hope you guys are enjoying this this morning. I'm about ready to wrap this up. Deuteronomy chapter 8. The the, the heart of what I'm saying is may we be awakened with more of a hunger. and, And maybe it would help us if we just let go of the discouragement, disappointment, uh, rejection, and and, and maybe it's, allow, it's diminished our vision of what's ahead and what's in front of us. And that's why it's hard to step into the more that God and experience the more. I'm telling you, there's more that God has for us. We've barely just begun to discover what we're about to step into as a church. Do you believe it? Come on. There's an anticipation in my heart for the more. There's an anticipation in my heart for the more. I'm not going to let discouragement or things in the, it hold me back from seeing, from, from blinding me, from seeing the goodness of God now and the goodness of God that's ahead of us because there's so many great things ahead. It's like when you're in a relationship and you, you go through hard times, it's hard to believe God for good friends when you've been betrayed by a good friend. Yeah. It's hard to believe God when, let's say that you had a marriage and it didn't work. And thank God for restoration. Thank God for uh, grace that you can move on. There's new beginnings. Hello? Yeah. As painful as it is, it doesn't mean that there isn't something better ahead for you. There's great things ahead for us. And if we would allow God to heal our hearts and be like this woman that worships when God, it feels like God's silent, that gets hungry even though she only gets a crumb and that keeps our heart open even when we feel like we're being tested. Deuteronomy 8, verse 3. So he humbled you and allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. 
says he humbled you and allowed you to hunger. And then he fed us with manna. How many know what manna means? What is it? When you're hungry and humble, God feeds you. And sometimes you don't even know what you're feasting on, but he just sustains you. And you just learn to trust. And it's in that trust we all learn an utter dependence on his presence. That man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Jesus in the wilderness, you know what he lived off of? He didn't eat any bread. He didn't, he was even tempted, turned the bread, the stone into bread. You know what he lived off? The father's voice, this is my son, my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus lived off the voice of the father he heard when he came out of the waters of baptism. And may we be utterly dependent on him even when we feel like he's silent and just worship anyway, just praise anyway and allow him to stir up a hunger and a humility that we would open our hearts again. Can you say amen? Thank you, Father. Would you pray with me? have it all together, Lord. Sometimes we have no idea what's going on. And even our ability to see into the spirit, our ability, our, our, my prophetic gift sometimes is absolutely diminished because of disappointment. I can't even see into tomorrow unless I allow you to heal me so that I can see how you're providing for me now and how you're going to provide for me tomorrow. You're so good. Teach us to be humble and hungry in a radical way. In 2018, I didn't know what was wrong. I didn't know, and it wasn't until I was humble enough to ask my own family to pray for me. God broke through. I can't understand how it worked like that, but all I know is I received what I needed from those that were closest to me. Those that had, have seen all of me, the good, the bad, and the really ugly, and loved me anyways. I remember this moment in 2018, I had one of those Jesus is silent years, a whole year, and God was moving. God was doing powerful things. I, I miss those days in some ways. I miss the days that the, the move of heaven was just so thick and bodies healed and so powerful. It's a river, habitation of God. And we're headed there. It's increasing here now. But I didn't know what was wrong. And I said, I looked at my family. The Lord began to move and manifest his presence in my living room as my youngest daughters were dancing before the Lord. And my wife joined and they're all sitting on the couch crying. And my sons are usually playing Xbox on it. I think it was a Saturday. They're watching from the banister above, just beholding what the Lord was doing. And we all ended up down in the living room 
God was just loving us all. And this was a moment he removed the, the stuff that I didn't even understand what it was. He removed it. He just, it's like he cut it away. And it was only through my, I allowed my ego to just dissipate. I said, hey guys, as you know, looked at my family. Dad's been going through it. Would you pray for me? And one by one, they began to pray for me. And I sat on the ground, face down, crumbling and weeping under the weight of God's presence. And while I was weeping, in the brokenness, healing was released. In the tears, in everyone he catches. And I pray the same for you. I remember my son began to prophesy, my oldest son prophesied over me. He always does this thing, he's like, I feel like I have a word. Like we know when David says that, he really has a word. He's just like, you know, being shy. And then he just unloaded this powerful prophetic word. I have this whole moment of prayer recorded on my phone. And there are times I'll go back and listen to it and remember the goodness of God in that moment. And I'm hungry for more. But I pray that breakthrough and that healing and that release over your life, that we could all move from disappointment and disillusionment and discouragement to hunger, humility, honor, and open-heartedness. Let's cross over together.